Hello, 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 and welcome to Degree of Difficulty. My name is Aaron Johnson. I appreciate you rocking with me wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. And as always, Sharon is Karen. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the MLB drum banging boys out there in Houston. Astros already got in trouble for the cheating scandal. We're going to see what's going to happen with Boston Red Sox, well, former Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora. And then we're going to go into the NFL playoffs. It is conference championship weekend. I've got my thoughts. I've got my picks. I've got my analysis, you know, a little bit of analysis here and there, never hurt nobody. So it's going to be a really good thing. But before we get into all of that, we're going to start off with a little bit of this. You know, the college football season finally came to an end this week, and it was really it felt good for me because I knew LSU was the best team. LSU with a big win over Clemson, 42-25 in a national championship game. And it wasn't really even that close. The biggest thing I enjoyed about watching the game, and I got a chance to watch most of the first half, a little bit of the second half. I had to be at work at 4.30 in the morning, so that kind of stopped me from being able to watch the whole game. But I, I just thought that LSU from entire the entire season, the totality of the season, I just thought they were the better team. They played tougher opponents when you looked at Clemson Clemson in that soft ACC it's hard to kind of judge them of how they were going to be but I didn't think they were going to be able to stand up and Trevor Lawrence really didn't play his best game and that showed and it really went a long way in the kind of dooming the way that uh, that game went for Clemson but go Tigers got to throw in the, the at Ogeron but I had a lot of people talking about the game going into it. I was really excited. I talked to a couple of friends, a couple of family members. I tweeted out my my score prediction on Degree of Difficulty. Follow us at Degree of D on Twitter. And I had a lot of emotion going into the game. So when the game ended, I see the final score when I wake up in the morning. I, I watch a little bit of the highlights before I head off to work. And I see how things unfolded. And it got me thinking that, is this the best college football team that I've ever seen? Now, it was an absolutely amazing year for LSU, but I don't know if I can definitively say that they're the best college football team that I've ever seen. Now, a little bit of a caveat. I'm 27 years old. I've been watching college football, you know, pretty pretty good since like 2002, 2003. And in that time, I was thinking about who are the best college football teams that I've ever seen. And there's only two teams or at least one other team that stands out, two teams being this LSU team as well, and it has to be the 2008 Florida Gators. And that's the Tim Tebow, Aaron Hernandez, Riley Cooper, Marquise Pouncey, Marcus Pounce, Mike Pouncey, uh, the, the, that team that had really everything. But they're, they're going to be known for that speech that Tim Tebow gave where he, he promised that no other team was going to win a national title. I'm sorry. Um, extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal, something Florida's never done here. But I promise you one thing, a lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season, and you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season, and you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. God bless. And that comes after they lost to Ole Miss. They came into the game ranked number four in the nation, and they they did. They had a downer at home against Ole Miss. Ole Miss beat them 30-31 to on September 27th. And Tebow came up there and made that speech. And the way that this the, the Gators just railed off everybody else. They beat Arkansas. They beat LSU. I mean, it was a, a complete season. When you look at when they got into the rest of their SEC schedule onto a national title, Tebow didn't win the Heisman that year, but still it was an amazing year. And for me, that's like the best team that I've seen. But then I, I, I looked at this LSU team and this is definitely the best team that I've seen since they've done the playoff system, which started back in 2014. So when you look at the playoff system and who knows how this Florida Gator team would have matched up in this playoff system against all those other teams. Although, again, I think they would have won because I think they're the best team that I've seen when it comes to college football. Uh, and, and it's not a slight to the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, not a slight to Cam Newton's Auburn team or anything like that in 2011. It's just the way that this Florida team really just went about business. They destroyed everyone. I mean, they knocked off six, and this is the similarities between the two teams. They both knocked off six teams in the top 25. The difference being Florida knocked off 
three uh two teams that were in the top 25 whereas all six teams that LSU knocked off in 2019 were all within the top 15 when it's all said and done and you know it's not a slight again against LSU but I just when you look at the quarterbacks when you look at the the way that the college game was played at that time and how it is now how it's a little bit more pro style than it was Tim Tebow I don't know if Tim Tebow is able to play in this style of of college football because of how intricate the defenses are and how much passing is a, a really big thing. LSU has had national championship quality teams for years, but they finally get a quarterback. The quarterback goes on to win the Heisman Trophy. Joe Burrow's probably going to end up being the number one overall pick going to the Cincinnati Bengals this year. And la di di da they win the national championship. So it, it is obvious that quarterbacking is a big deal. And don't get me wrong. Tim Tebow is the greatest college football player I've ever seen. Now, I can get flack for that for as much as you want to give me. I don't care. Tim Tebow is the best hands-down college football player that I've ever watched with my own eyes. I've had this conversation with my family over years. My brother thinks it's Reggie Bush. I have another brother that, that thinks it's Cam Newton. And, and you know, have friends that think it's Cam Newton. Have friends that think it was Tebow. Have friends that think it was Reggie Bush or Matt Leinart or whoever, whoever you want to say that we've seen. Maurice Claret, if you really want to go down that road, I, I don't advise you to. But, if, you know, I can't stop you. But... I, I think Tim Tebow really meant something to that team and being able to to do the way he to, – to take them to a national title the way he did and to be able to say that statement the way he did. Now, Joe Burrows did it in a little bit of a different way. Joe Burrows was able to do it in, in a 2019-2020 kind of way. He was really swagged out. He was really like, you know, had all the all – the, came out with the jersey with all the Creole, Creole writing of his name and – you know, he had a lot of things going for him on top of the fact that he was just freaking good. I mean, 60 touchdown passes that that's in, in an offense that wasn't, you know, Hawaii, Houston, old Oregon, where it's like eight receivers are out there at one time. It, it's it's to throw 60 touchdown passes in a in a system that isn't guaranteed to, you know, be, you know, just pass happy, you know, fun and gun and to do it in the SEC. I, I gotta give Joe Burrow credit, and I and I do. I give this LSU LSU team credit as I think the second best college football team I've ever seen going after this Florida team. Now, don't get me wrong, LSU went undefeated. Florida didn't. Can't you know? Can't knock them on that. And I'm not knocking them on that because again, they beat Florida, they beat Auburn, they beat Alabama in Alabama, they beat Georgia to win the SEC title. They destroyed Oklahoma. That's the one thing. That's another thing these two teams have in common. They destroyed Oklahoma. And again. It, it, it wasn't even close. I think what did Burroughs have five touchdown passes in the first half? Jefferson caught four of them. So it, it this LSU team was is is great. It is. It's it's a great season. They had the they had the characters. They had the ability to do it on the field. Don't even get me started on those hype videos. I thought those hype videos were absolutely insane. I mean, man, I got that swag. Like, come on. Come on. Anybody that's my age knows when you hear swag surf and that song starts, it's just it just you just start swaying for no reason. You can't even control it. But I, I, I just I can't I can't bring myself to take this LSU team over that Florida team. And I'm not talking about the the, the guys that ended up on the NFL and the guys ended up having great careers in the NFL, not named Tim Tebow and, and all the stuff that came from it. I'm still waiting on the 30 for 30 on this team, you know, uh, the, the saint and the convicts or whatever you want to call it. But I, I mean, when you look at how Florida did it, it was it was the Tebow speech. It was the fact that after that speech, they they beat LSU 51-21. LSU was ranked number fourth in the nation at the time. They beat Georgia, number eight in the nation, 49-10. I mean, these are dominant efforts. They beat Alabama in the SEC title game. Alabama went into that game as the number one overall seed, number one overall team in the nation, number one. And they won 31-20 against the number one overall team. So that is saying something. It was down in the Georgia Dome, neutral field, but still, this is that that is that is impressive. And then going to the national championship game, and I remember sitting there watching that national championship game. That national championship game, the tone of that game got set immediately. Sam Bradford was the quarterback. Sam Bradford won the Heisman Trophy that year. He was a quarterback for Oklahoma. And I, I don't remember the receiver that got laid out, but he led a receiver on the sidelines. And Major Wright, the, the safety from Florida, came over on like the first or second play of the game and laid the wood. 
as we like to say in the in in circles of of football. Honestly, that hit is probably illegal now. He's you know getting thrown out of the game for targeting, but he laid the wood and it set the tone for how that team was going to dominate that game. And again, the score was twenty four to fourteen. It wasn't indicative of how dominant that team was and how dominant that game was. I mean, that was the game where Tebow, even Tebow, got in trouble. Tebow, the 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 the, the choir boy, the Boy Scout, he got in trouble for taunting with the Gator Chop. That team was out for blood. The 2008 Florida Gators were out for blood. And don't get me wrong, the the 2019 LSU Tigers had a great season. They did a lot of amazing things. They 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 I said they beat Florida, they beat Auburn, they beat Alabama, they beat Georgia, they beat Oklahoma, they killed Oklahoma. Then they beat this Clemson team that really did look like the second or third best team in the nation. And this is where my difference comes in. And this is why I think I have to side with the number uh the 2008 Florida Gators is because Although they beat Alabama, and I give them credit, LSU beat Alabama. LSU beat Alabama with, you know, a a, a hobbled Tua Tungavailoa. He was. Tua, Tua was hobbled. I won't say he was hurt because he still played and he had a great game, but he was hobbled. He really, truly was. So you had a, a hobbled Tua. Now, if two, let's just say for argument's sake, Tua's healthy and they, still, and they still lose the game. Alabama doesn't lose a game the rest of the season. I can say that Alabama probably doesn't lose the game the rest of that season. They don't. They don't lay a, lay an egg against Auburn. Auburn's a good team, but they don't lay an egg against Auburn the way that they did in the Iron Bowl. If they have a healthy Tua Tungavailoa, Tua is about to be probably the second or third quarterback off the board. Come come April, come May, whenever the draft is going to be, Tua is one of the better quarterbacks that is out there right now in college football. Honestly, if Tua was healthy all season, it would have been tit for tat. Who's who's going to win the Heisman? Tua or Joe? Tua or Joe? Tungavailoa or Burroughs? Burroughs, I think, would have eventually won just because he had more of that that wow factor. He had more Heisman moments, if you will. But it would have been a closer argument and a closer conversation. So when you look at how that all came together, I have to say, I think if all if Alabama got a second shot at LSU, Alabama wins. Whereas I don't see anybody. I don't know anybody that could have beat that 2008 Florida Gators team, especially after Tim Tebow made that speech. After the Ole Miss game, and again, I, I can't – it's in the, proof is in the pudding. They lost to Ole Miss. They did. They lost the game. They were not undefeated. LSU was. But still, after that loss – I don't think anybody in their in their right mind could have. I don't know if Jim Brown's Syracuse team could have beat this team. I don't know. Give me the, the 80s teams from the U, from the University of Miami. They, they probably couldn't have beat this doggone Florida team. So that's how I that's how dominant I think that this Florida team was in 2008. And that's why I think they're the best team I've ever seen. I mean, I do. I just think they're the best team I've ever seen. And that was at a time where, you know, the SEC is always going to be strong. The SEC is always going to be, uh, be, be that dominant conference in college football, at least for the time being. I won't say always. You can never say never. But to do it the way that they did, to come off and rip off win after win after dominant win after dominant win, to have the talent that they did. Now, LSU was talented, but I think the OA Florida team was more talented. We have a little bit more of a, a, a timetable there because some of those guys went on to the NFL. It's been, you know, almost – 12 years it's been 12 years since that team came out so there, there's a little bit of a difference here that we can't really lean on too much we got to wait and see how these these LSU players you know matriculate and go into the NFL and see how they're going to do and to be honest with you I think they're going to do pretty well I'm admittedly a little scared about Joe Burrows going into Cincinnati not because of Joe Burrows but because Cincinnati is a cesspool so um, I'm a little concerned there but I think Jefferson's great I think all those receivers Jefferson is a is a beast he is. I think he's a beast. The number one receiver that had the huge game in the, in the national title game. I think he's a beast. So I mean, they've. I love the running back. I, I, give me that running back every single day on my New York Jets. Give me him every single day. Like five foot seven, five foot eight, Maurice Jones, Drew type. He probably only gonna play in the league six years, but it's gonna be a great dog on six years. So give me somebody like that. That's 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 what I like. They are talented. LSU is talented. When it comes to head coaching, I, I love Ed Ogeron. Ed Ogeron is fun. He's he's a fun-loving. We haven't. He's a hard-nosed coach, but he's fun. He's a personality. We don't really get too many personalities in college football anymore as far as coaches are concerned. Nick Saban's a machine. He's a robot. He's, he's cut from the Belichick cloth. He is. He's he's right on, up there with, unless he's yelling at a doggone reporter, eh, don't ask me, whatever you want to call it. But I think Nick Saban really is just a machine. Unless he's yelling at a player, yelling at a referee, or yelling at, a, at an official, he's he's very Belichickian, if you will. 
I, I don't see anybody else that's going to come in and, and that has come in into the college game. I mean, Dabo's a little bit of a personality. He is. But even then, Dabo's he's not Ed Ogeron. He doesn't have the personality of Ed Ogeron. Would I love to play for Dabo? Absolutely. I would have loved to play for Ed Ogeron or Les Miles. But, you know, that's the difference that you look at when you see this coaching staff. I look at the coaching staff that they had, and, yes, they had uh, Joe, Joe Brady, I believe the, quarter, the quarterback's coach was named, that he just went over to the Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati Bengals, over to the Carolina Panthers and joined Matt Rule's squad. But I just think that coaching is a big factor in this game, and – Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, I still think could walk into college football right now and be the best coach in college football. I think Urban Meyer is that good. Urban Meyer, the thing with Urban Meyer is he gets burnt out and he has all the stuff and who God knows what he knew in 2008 with all that craziness that was going on with this Florida team. This Florida team was insane. This Florida team really was insane when it came to the players, whether it was them getting in trouble. We all know about Aaron Hernandez. We all know about how crazy the Pouncey brothers were at times. They're, I think, a little bit more, a lot more tamed, I should say. Now they're in the NFL. They're just, you know, good, hardworking players. But the Pouncey's got a pass. We all know about Riley Cooper and his stupidity at, at at, at at country concerts. So, I mean, this wasn't, you know, a, a holier-than-thou kind of team, whereas I feel like this LSU team's a little bit beloved. It is. I think this LSU team is beloved. They have the, the lovable, you know, the growl coach that, you know, sounds like sounds like a pig off a of Samurai Jack. They've, they've got the, the Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback that comes from a small town in Ohio that made a great speech when he won the trophy, that has all this upside, that really came out of nowhere, that broke the doggone NCAA record for most touchdowns. He had 60 touchdown passes. 60 to what, six interceptions? He had What he had last year, 16 touchdowns and five interceptions? A year ago, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. He threw 60. 60 touchdown passes. This LSU team, it, it is it, it was in, in a great team. It was. It was an all-time great college football team. It was an all-time great college football season. I just can't pick them over the 2008 Florida Gators. I, I just I'm, I'm I'm trying. I'm looking at angles. I'm you know, I'm, I'm ducking and weaving, I'm bobbing, I'm trying to fit a, a a circle peg into a square hole here. And I just can't do it. I can't. I, my eyes are telling me what they're telling me. Because I truly think that there is no, and it comes down to the Alabama thing. Because in this situation where you have the 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 college football playoff, where you will see a team potentially twice, because Georgia was there on technicality. I don't think anybody outside of the state of Georgia thought Georgia was going to beat LSU in the, in the national cha- in an, uh, an SEC title game. I don't think anyone did. I truly, truly don't. I mean, Jake Fromm was just a huge disappointment for me this season. I thought Jake Fromm was going to be at least a top three quarterback prospect. Jake Fromm probably going to fall all the way to like the third or fourth round, fourth or fifth round if he's lucky. I mean, he he just did not show up. That's why when he said, "Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave after my junior year and go to the NFL." Don't get me wrong. I I, I think Jake Fromm has all the 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 physical attributes, but. I mean, that's saw some bonehead plays that he made this season. Goodness gracious. And I watched that game where they got upset earlier this year. And it just it was it was awful. It really was. Granted, their kicker who's supposed to be really, really good, and I do think will kick on Sundays, he missed a, a really bad uh field goal that you don't really expect him to miss. But still, it doesn't matter. Nobody thought Georgia was gonna beat LSU. They just don't have the talent. They didn't have the weight. And then on top of the fact that you have Joe Burrows having that crazy play where he had his Heisman moment. He had multiple Heisman moments in that doggone game. So I just, I, nobody thought Georgia was going to beat LSU. I do think, though, if, if the situation was different with Tua Tungavailoa and two, they weren't going to get to the SEC title game. They weren't. But if Georgia loses the way that we all expected them to do, and they did, and two is healthy, and Alabama doesn't lose to Auburn. Again, these are all what ifs. These are all hypotheticals. I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. But if Alabama doesn't lose to Auburn, Alabama gets that fourth playoff spot. There's no way in the world they're putting a one-loss Alabama team over. Uh, uh, they're putting anyone over a one-loss Alabama team. There's no way that Oregon wasn't getting in, Utah wasn't getting in, Minnesota wasn't getting in. I mean, all these teams lost, but they weren't getting in. It didn't matter. They could have they could have doggone almost been undefeated and they probably wasn't going to get in over a one loss Alabama team, especially when that one loss is coming to LSU. Now, if Alabama goes into the playoff, Ohio State's not beating them. There's no way Ohio State was going to beat them. 
I don't, and I and I'm I love I like Ohio State. I've always been a big Ohio State fan. But there's no way in the world that Ohio State was gonna beat them. What Chase Young's just gonna sack two every play? That was the only way. Those wide receivers would have eaten that Ohio State secondary alive. And that's the one. And to be fair, I've never seen a better receiving core, like trio of receivers in college at one time than they do than they have down there in Tuscaloosa. They just uh, Waddle, Judy, and, and they just uh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Those guys are are, are are amazing. All those guys are gonna be playing on Sunday. All those guys are probably not even gonna get out of the second round of the draft. So I just I uh, I, I think if they would have played Alabama a second time, Alabama wins that game. Alabama wins that game, and we're talking about a completely different season. We're talking about Alabama probably as a national title, national champions, a rematch between Alabama and Clemson. But I think this was just LSU's year. It was. And I'm not taking anything away from the Tigers. I had them in. The, I had them really since since they beat Alabama. After they beat Alabama, I thought they was good. I said they're going to they're going to probably going to run the table. And at least get to the playoff, depending on what happens. And as I started watching them more and more, I said, there's no team that's better than them outside of Alabama with a healthy Tua. Now, you can't. It's sports. I'm doing a bunch of hypotheticals. It's sports. You can't do nothing about it. If you hurt, you hurt. If you can't play, you can't play. Tua Tungavailoa is trying his damnedest to get to the NFL right now. His hip is it. They said it was the Bo Jackson injury. Now, granted, modern medicine is modern medicine, but. Bo Jackson, that injury, like, changed his life. Not only his playing career, like, his life. So, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it took an injury of that caliber to keep him out of the game. And remember, and when they played LSU, he was limping around the field the whole time, came back, and, and he threw that bomb to Judy for the touchdown. I mean, that, it was an absolute monster shot. Nobody throws a better deep ball than Tua Tungavailoa in all of college football. Nobody. Show me somebody. Show show me somebody who throws a better deep ball than Tua does, and I'll give you hundred dollars. I don't even got hundred dollars, and I'll give you hundred dollars. There's no way. So there was there was a lot of different things that went into this season. There's a lot of different things that went into this LSU run. It was a great run. It's an all time amazing run. And truthfully, they're probably the second best college football team I've ever seen. They are. They're probably this is probably the second best college football team I've ever seen next to the 2008 Florida Gators. You know, I guess it's my time to chime in on this whole Houston Astros thing. I mean, when the news first broke, the first thing I thought about, and I'm going all the way back to when when John Boy was releasing those videos on Twitter. If you guys don't follow John Boy on Twitter, definitely follow him. He's the guy that got the uh, the bleeping savages that Aaron Boone said when he was arguing with the umpire, which was an absolute great moment this year for the Yankees. But when those, when those videos first started to break and you could hear the banging of the drum with the Houston Astros and you could tell based off of some of the videos that he was doing. And one of those videos did go up to Rob Manford and the rest of the MLB brass. So when you started to see that, my first thought was they really caught these dudes cheating. Like you could come up with a better way. I played baseball for a really long time. I played baseball for about 12 years. And although I didn't play, you know, on a crazy college level or anything like that, I was a pretty good player back in my day. You know, back in my day, I feel like I was able to do things. But no, but seriously, back in my day, I was a really good baseball player. I played with some guys that ended up in farm systems, ended up getting drafted. I played with one guy that was in the uh, the Diamondbacks organization when I was in high school. So, you know, I, w- I played in some pretty decent places when I, you know, when I was playing baseball. And sign stealing was always a part of the game. I can recall a moment when I was I was on second base and they, you know, the catcher was putting down only one one sign, one signal signs. They weren't matching it up or anything, and I was able to relay it into the guy who was at the plate. Don't get me wrong, I got a little bit of chin music the next time I came up to the plate, but that's the game of baseball. That's how you're supposed to play the game. If somebody is obvious with their signs, it's it's fair game. If someone is tipping their pitches, if a guy moves his glove a little bit wider when he's throwing an off-speed pitch because he has to change the grip on the ball, that's the game. What the Houston Astros were doing was not the game of baseball. That was pure, unadulterated cheating. And it was. There's nothing to be said. They cheated. The thing that's interesting for me now, obviously, I don't know if Carlos Beltran should have stepped down. I don't think he did step down. I think he got fired, but, you know, quote, unquote, stepped down. I don't think Beltran should have been, you know, 
implemented in this as much as it is. Don't get me wrong. I don't know exactly. I didn't read the report. I don't know exactly what Beltran did. I know his name was mentioned. They said it was a very player-run thing. I think A.J. Hinch got a little bit of a raw deal, but when you're the manager of a team, when something like this happens, it doesn't matter. I think A.J. Hinch is going to be the one that gets a job before everybody else. I think Alex Cora is done. I don't think Alex Cora is ever going to manage another game of baseball ever. I do. I, I just I think that's done. And we don't even know what Alex Cora is going to get. We don't even know what he's going to get. And I think he's done because it sounds like he was the ringleader. Although it's, oh, Tra- Carlos Beltran was the ringleader. No, it sounds like sounds like Alex Cora came in and said, hey, guys, I got an idea. Hey, that's a, that's a cool video thing. I got an idea. Hinch got in trouble because although he didn't like it, he didn't stop it. And as, an, as a manager of an MLB team, that's your job. It's to manage the players. It's to make sure your clubhouse is a place where dignified things are going on. Think back to when the Red Sox got caught up with the whole like pitchers like Lester and Josh Beckett were drinking at the game. They were going down in the clubhouse having a couple beers. Remember the scandal that caused? And I'm not just picking on the Red Sox, even though I'm a Yankee fan. I hate the Red Sox. I'm not picking on you guys. It's just the truth. It was a scandal. But this is on a completely different level because the Astros have been so good. The Astros have been so good. They've won pennants. They've won the World Series. It's 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 a really bad look because they've been good. So now all the questions are going to come in. Well, how much were they cheating? How much did they know the pitch? And and the one thing I do want to say is I've had some people say like, oh well, every clip that we saw of John Boy, every clip we saw was you know guys were fouling pitches off. I don't know what clip you saw, but I saw George Springer hit about a 500 foot home run that still hasn't freaking landed yet off of one of those clips. And you clearly hear the drumming. You hear it. You bang, bang, bang. And then George Springer hit one, hits one literally over the train tracks. Who was involved? How do you drop down these punishments? It really is a difficult thing because you can't suspend the whole 2017 roster. Because who knows what guys are doing. It. Apparently the rumors that Yuri Gurriel didn't want to know because it would throw him off. He, did, he, he didn't want to know what pitch was coming. So, I mean, and again, this is, this is a rumor. So what do you do? How do you how do you go about doing more than what they've already done? The Astros have already been fined $5 million, which is really chump change to the owner. I mean, you're the owner of a Major League Baseball team. Pretty much chump change. So fine $5 million. They got taken away some draft picks, which don't really matter in, in, in the scheme of things in Major League Baseball because half of the guys in the first or second round don't really pan out anyway. So it doesn't really matter. It's not like if you're losing draft picks in the NFL or you're losing draft picks in the NBA. It doesn't really matter in that sense. They fired the GM. They fired the manager, A.J. Hinch. You look over at the Mets. The Mets have Beltran implemented, and there's some Beltran, quote-unquote, steps down. He really was fired, but he steps down. And then you you see the 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 Red Sox part raised with Cora, and I'm not going to go as far as say Cora's going to get a lifetime ban. Because I don't think anyone's going to get a lifetime ban after Pete Rose. I just don't. I really don't. I don't think after Pete Rose and after what they've done to Pete Rose, I don't expect anyone else to get a lifetime ban. Now, if Cora gets like a 10-year ban, I mean, hey, it's not a lifetime ban. He can eventually come back. He's never going to manage again, but he could eventually come back. So what is the next step for them to do? I don't know. I really don't know. Do they? And it's a really interesting story because there's so many guys that you can't come down on, but you would love to come down on. You would love to be able to come down on Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, George Springer, all these guys that so braggadocious on, on the Houston Astros team. And who knows, maybe they're really cheating. That's really bad. It's a really bad look for Major League Baseball. They can't do anything. They just, they're still dealing with some remnants of the steroid era because of the way that these guys are going into the Hall of Fame or not going into the Hall of Fame. So now we're going to have to worry about the 2017 Houston Astros. And I think it's garbage. First of all, I think it's garbage when people say, oh, we'll take down the banners. Oh, well, they should get the death penalty. Oh, they should get sanctioned. This isn't college. This isn't college, bro. These are professional athletes. You're not going to be able to do that. You can't suspend professional athletes. You can't suspend a whole roster for 20 games. That's not going to do anything. It's not gonna. You, you actually can't do that. Not to mention, you can't do that from the, the, the optics point of view, but you also can't do that because the Players Association is not going to allow you to do it. Major League Baseball has the strongest union in the country. Not in sports, in the United States of America. 
They have the strongest union. What are you going to do? The Players Association are going to literally look at you and laugh in your face as they tell the players to keep on going and playing. So that's something you can't do. This is a fluid situation because what is the next step? I don't know. I will say this. With the rumors coming out, and this comes from someone who might be Carlos Beltran's niece, who might not be Carlos Beltran's niece, I don't know. She tweeted out on Thursday that, you know, in a sense, these guys are wearing, you know, beepers on their on their jerseys, underneath their shirts. Now, this is all a rumor. This doesn't this hasn't come out as any big thing. But I will say this. I've seen a lot of video over the last eh, 24, 36 hours since that since this has happened. And it's really interesting how often Jose Altuve did not want to take his shirt off. I will say that. I, I will say that. And it's not even the fact that he didn't want to take his shirt off, but it's the it's the lengths in which he went to make sure his shirt didn't get ripped off. When he hit that walk-off home run against Aroldis Chapman this year to send the Astros to the World Series and you know give them the pennant, it was obvious as he was coming home to to like he was holding on to his shirt. He was saying, Hey guys, don't take it off. You can you can read his lips essentially saying, Don't take off my shirt. And then the, the rumor that he goes down into the clubhouse and you know he came back out and that's how he put on the 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 pennant wearing shirts and the shirt and the hats and everything. They get he changed his clothes down in the locker room, down in the clubhouse, not actually on the field. Now again, all of this is rumors until something becomes actual fact. Obviously, I believe the MLB is looking into this. And if something like that comes out, that they were wearing these like essentially like these red lobster buzzers on their on their underneath their shirts. I don't care if it was Justin Verlander. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care if it's Garrett Cole, the newest Yankee. I don't care if it was Altuve. I don't care if it was Springer. I don't care if it was Guriel. I don't care if it was I don't care if AJ Hinch himself was wearing one of these things. Whoever was wearing them, they got to go. Now, that's something I would look at as possibly lifetime ban offensible. That is. Because at that point, that is such blatant and obvious cheating. More so than even the banging on the drugs. Because if you look at how it actually happened and some of the clips that came out, again, great job by John Boy. Huge, hugely great job by him. But if you go back and look at some of those clips, at one point, I want to say it was Mike Fires. I'm not sure which pitcher it was. Heard the banging, stepped off the mound, came out, and they changed the signs. So although they were they were cheating, they got caught cheating. You're gonna sit there and say like, okay, I get, I'm onto your game. We're gonna change this up so you don't know what's going on. An, op, an opposing team can do that, but if you're using technology out in center field, if you're looking in through the camera in the clubhouse, using all this high tech technology that didn't exist back when sign stealing and sign stealing has always gone on in the game. That's the point I was trying to make before. Sign stealing has always gone on in the game, but this is such a higher level because they're using actual technology to cheat. They're using actual technology to cheat. I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But on like a whole nother level. Literally like steroids of cheating. That is so crazy when you think about how good this team we thought was. Now we don't even know. I'm I'm so, so excited to see how they're going to play this year. Because let them mess around and, like, miss the playoffs. Like, let everybody mess around and not have good years. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what would happen if that if that was to take place? If these guys didn't have great years? Like, Altuve comes in and hits, like, 250. Could you imagine the speculation that's going to happen? If, if if Bregman hits, like, 230? Something like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be, it'll be akin to when Sammy Sosa got off of the steroids. And Sammy Sosa hit like 45, 50 home runs, got off of steroids, and I believe the season after that, he hit like 16. Where it was like so obvious he was juicing. Like it was blatant at that point that he was juicing. Like I said, sign stealing is a part of the game. It is. And anyone that's going to tell you otherwise has never really played baseball. Sign stealing is absolutely a part of the game. There's a right way to steal signs and there's a wrong way to steal signs. And if you ask me, Houston did it the wrong way. Like, the obviously wrong way. And the thing that I kept kept going through my mind, that banging is so doggone loud. Who didn't think they were going to pick up on that? Well, I can tell right there that uh, that's some banging, but I think it's coming from the crowd. No, it's coming from five feet away down in the dugout. 
Like, do you know I can see you? I can hear you? Like, come on. And I do agree that other teams probably do some form of sign stealing, some form of quote-unquote cheating. But how much is actually going on through technology the way Houston was doing it? And that's the key is the fact that Houston was using this, the screens out in, out in the outfield, the, the relay the calls down to the dugout to bang on the drums. Again, nobody knows if that was really true or not. But still, like, it is so crazy how this whole situation has just unfurled. It really is. And like I said, I'm, I'm very excited to see how Houston's going to be next year. The road is paved with gold for the Yankees to get to the World Series. But this is going to be an interesting Houston team to watch because we don't even know who's going to even play. Because if a report comes out that Altuve and these guys were wearing those buzzers, all of them bad boys are out. Literally, the bad boys, the drumming bad boys, they are gone. They're going to be out of baseball at least for a year, if not longer. Like I said, if they get caught with the buzzer thing, if that's a real, if that's not just a rumor and that's actually something that happened and they can go ahead and MLB can prove that, those guys got to go, period. Because that's cheating on a different level. That's like immediate cheating. And I think that's hard to believe, but worse than the drum banging. But either way, Houston got caught. They got to pay the piper, and we're going to see what happens. Don't take away their championship because you can't. 2017, everybody knows the Houston Astros won the championship. Everybody knows they won the World Series. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to take the banner down. That's not going to do anything. Oh, but it'll do something for the people looking back in the memory books. No, it won't. No, it will not. It's not going to do anything for any of that. So like I said, the banners, the the the, the suspensions, all that stuff – is going to have to wait until the very end. Banners aren't, aren't aren't coming down. They won a championship. Get over it. But the suspensions is something that's different because it comes out that that rumor was true. Oh, yeah, they're getting suspended. Oh, yeah, they're getting stuff taken away. And don't worry, Houston is not going to be as good of a team as they have been. Because there's just no way. Because if you're cheating and you're being that dominant and that good, cheating, well, <laughs> Can't cheat no more, buddy. We're going to see how that works out. Because I can't wait to see. I really can't. I cannot wait. Championship weekend is finally here. Can't believe the NFL season is just about over. I've uh, got a couple more weeks into the Super Bowl, but I got to make sure that I have my picks in here for today. Wanted to make sure coming into Sunday's matchups that, you know, I'm, I'm completely exposed. I'm going to have all my picks. I'm going to tweet all the picks out. Don't forget degree of D at degree of D on Twitter. So all my picks are going to be out there because this is a game and this is a weekend that is it's going to be fun. I, I think last year's. NFC championship game was, you know, marred a little bit because of that terrible call down there in the Superdome between the Saints and the Rams. And then the Rams laid a huge egg in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And and, and but even then, the AFC title game last year with the Chiefs being, you know, I thought the Chiefs were going to blow New England out, to be completely honest with you. And then for New England to win that game in the way that they did and, and Kansas City not being able to stop a freaking nosebleed. It was a great weekend or a great day last year. And I'm expecting a lot of the same this year. The only thing I have to say is I think that the AFC game is not going to be as good as it was last year. And the reason why is because I don't think Tennessee – I think the the slipper is about to fall off for Tennessee. I think it's about to strike midnight, if you get what I'm saying. It has been an amazing run for Tennessee. Derrick Henry has done things that we have never seen before. He's done things in the postseason we've never, we've never seen before. The stats back it up. Over 180 yards rushing in two straight games. It's got to, It's incredible. It really is. He's got to be better. That's the only way Tennessee is. And I know that's a lot to say. I mean, 180 yards. No one's ever rushed for that many yards in back-to-back playoff games. And he has done it. He has been dominant. Nobody wants to tackle him. Nobody wants to tackle Derrick Henry. But in order for them to beat the juggernaut, And, yes, I'm saying juggernaut after what they pulled last week against Houston, spotting them 24 points, and then just saying, all right, we're just going to turn around and just – we're just going to score a quick 28 just to go into – oh, no, 20 – not 51. Yeah, we're going to score 51. They outscored the Texans 51-7 to at one point. That was – it was insane watching that game. 
I ended up getting messed up with the time of that game starting because I think it was a, a I thought it was a four o'clock kickoff ended up being like a three three fifteen kickoff. But still, I, I woke up and I saw twenty four nothing, and I remember looking over to my girlfriend and said, "What the hell is going on here?" She didn't know what was going on. She doesn't watch football, but still, I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" This is not how things were supposed to be. And then I turn around and I just my 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 I can't even fathom what is going on because the explosiveness that the Kansas City Chiefs pulled off in that game against Houston and just how overmatched they look. Don't even get me started on Bill O'Brien. I think he should be out in Houston. If I was the head, if I was the GM, if I was the owner of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien off of those two fourth down calls would have been out the very next day. It would have been Black Monday down in Houston because he would have been gone the very next day. But with all of that being said, the, the Chiefs still pulled off something that was amazing to watch. It was. It was amazing to behold. And Patrick Mahomes is the best football player in the NFL. He just is. Not best quarterback, best player. He's the best player. I think Lamar Jackson has an has had an amazing year, but I'm still going with Patrick Mahomes. And I think a lot of the same is going to happen, and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to lead the Chiefs past the Titans and into the Super Bowl. And truthfully, I don't really have it being that close. Like I, I scored it 38 to 24, and even then I'm still – uh, I am. I'm still a little bit hesitant to take that because I don't know if it's going to be that close. I actually think I'm going to lean it up. I think it's going to be 45 to 24. I think that that'll be a little bit closer to what the score is actually going to be because it's, who is going to stop that? There's no way. Not in a week. Mike Vrabel, there's no way he can game plan in seven days to stop that offense. There's just no way. That offense is so dominant. There's just no way. And on top of that, the only way the Titans are going to win is they're going to have to have Derrick Henry be better than he's already been, which is going to be insane when you think about it because he's already been something we haven't seen before. Against New England, 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Against Baltimore, 30 carries, 195 yards, and two touchdowns. And he threw for one. Like, are you kidding me? And he threw for a doggone touchdown. So, Derek, you're asking Derrick Henry, who has already been a god amongst men, a, a men amongst boys, and you're asking him to be more. Derrick Henry has to rush for almost 200. He has to rush for over 200 yards. I think in order for them to win, he's got to rush for at least 220 yards and score at least three touchdowns for them to have a shot. Not even for them to win, for them to have a shot. He's got to be that dominant. Ryan Tannehill has to make, keep doing what he's doing, even if he can throw less. Do that. But if Ryan Tannehill makes a mistake in this game, it's done. The The margin for error is so slim for the Tennessee Titans in this game. I really don't think it's going to be that close of a game. Like I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to change my score. I'm going to go with 45-24. I'll, I'll give Derrick Henry at least one or two touchdowns, but I'm going to go 45-24. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs are just pure dominant in this game and blow Tennessee out of the water. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Don't get me wrong. It'll give me something to do. Like while I'm watching the game because I'm not watching a blowout. Probably play a game going up to a friend's house with my girlfriend, so we'll probably play a game or something while that's watching while that's going on. But that's the only way I see Tennessee having a shot in this game. And like I said, it's been a great run. If they win this game, if Tennessee wins this game, they'll make me a believer. This is what I said. I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks. I said if Tennessee gets to the Super Bowl, I'll be a believer. And I said if they beat New England. First of all, thank you. Get get the Pats out of here. I hate the Pats. Hate everything about the Patriots. Get them out of here. So if they beat the Patriots, you know, thank you. I didn't think they were going to beat Baltimore. I didn't think they were going to have a shot. The only way I thought they were going to beat Baltimore is if they did exactly what they did. Derrick Henry be a monster, and they keep Lamar Jackson off the field. They didn't really keep Lamar Jackson off the field, but Derrick Henry was just so dominant, so much of a beast that it didn't really matter. And he still has to be better in this game for them to have a shot. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's. It's such an uphill battle for the Tennessee Titans. I just don't see it. No offense. Steve McNair is not walking through that door. He's not. He's just, he's not. Air McNair is not walking through that door. You have Ryan Tannehill. You have to deal with Ryan Tannehill. And yes, Tannehill has been better because Adam Gase isn't there. And don't even get me freaking started on Adam Gase. I'm not going there today. I just, I just don't want to. It's been a long day. I had to work this morning. I don't want to go there with Adam Gase. But Ryan Tannehill is not Steve McNair. He's he's it's, it's not gonna he's not even Vince Young. Eh, I won't do that to him. Vince Young, Vince Young was on the cover of Madden, but I'm not gonna do that to him. But still, the point being is that Ryan Tannehill is not gonna win this game for them. He's not. He's not. He can lose the game for them. He can absolutely lose the game for them. But he's not gonna win the game for them. So Derrick Henry is gonna have to be Derrick Henry times five times ten 
for them to have a shot in this game. I really do. I like I said, great season from Tennessee. I think they've they have a lot to hang their hat on. They actually remind me a lot of the Rex Ryan New York Jets because they run the ball ground and pound. They play solid defense and and they have a quarterback that can just do enough. That can just do enough. And if you think about it, a lot of similarities. They both got to the Jets teams both got to the AFC title game. Laid an egg out there in Pittsburgh. We're not going to talk about they didn't even show up in the first half. In 2000, I think it was 2000 and what, 2011, they didn't even show up in the first half in Pittsburgh. And then Peyton Manning, they couldn't outlast Peyton Manning in the Colts in 2010. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was a nice run for Tennessee, but I think it's going to come to an end out there at Arrowhead Stadium when they play the Chiefs. And I got the Chiefs going on to the Super Bowl. Over in the NFC, I think this is going to be the game of the day. I do. The Niners have been so dominant on defense. You saw it last week when they played Minnesota and made Kirk Cousins look like, you know, an average Kirk Cousins. They brought, they brought Kirk Cousins plummeting back to earth. He was on the high after beating the Saints in New Orleans, and that was a great win. I was talking to a good buddy of mine that's a huge Viking fan, and he was, he was all, you know, hooping and hollering. He was really excited. But even when I had those conversations with a good friend of mine, it was always the same thing. I love Dalvin Cook. We got great receivers. Our defense flies around, but Kirk Cousins. And I would, and like I said, not sipping the Kirk Cousins Kool-Aid. Happy for Kirk Cousins when they got that win in New Orleans. I didn't expect that. Happy for them, but he came plummeting back to earth. The Niners made sure of that. On top of the fact the way that the Niners run the ball in the second half, the way they ran it in the second half was so just, it was demoralizing to watch. It was like watching like somebody kick a small puppy. That's exactly what it was like. I mean, the way they just could not stop the run. I believe it was the first possession that they had coming out of halftime where I believe they ran the ball. I think it was like, what, like a 12-play drive? They ran the ball 11 out of the 12 plays with the one pass being like a little bubble screen or something. It was just demoralizing to watch. It went like 80 yards on the ground. Just broke the backs of everyone in Minnesota, not just on the team. Everyone in the entire state of Minnesota felt that. It was like they were back in 1998. That's how bad that game was. So, with all that being said, the Niners look dominant. But as they look dominant against Kirk Cousins, that's not Kirk Cousins on the other sidelines coming this week. That's a bad man on the other sidelines. That's a Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer on the other sidelines. Mr. Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. And with that, I'm taking Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is too great to let this moment slip away. I do. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to will his team, a la Tom Brady. I do. I see a, I see a Tom Brady-esque moment coming here for Aaron Rodgers. They're going into the game underdogs. They're going on the road. He's going to be back in his hometown, home state. And I just, I, 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 I see it. I, I, can, I can envision seeing Green Bay going in there in this old school kind of NFC title game, old school NFC playoff game. I mean, Steve Young, Brett Favre. That's kind of how the, the feel I get when I watch this game on Sunday. That's the feel I'm going to have, and I can't wait for it. But I got Aaron Rodgers, and I got the Packers. I don't, I don't really believe in Matt LaFleur too much. I'm not Matt LaFleur's, you know, I'm not on that, that bandwagon. You got the LaFleur bandwagon. You got the Sean McVay bandwagon. You got the Shanahan bandwagon. I'm not really on any of those. But I will say this. I really, truly will. I will say this. I think LaFleur is going to do just enough. Not saying Shanahan won't do just enough. Not saying that that defense isn't going to do just enough. But I'm putting all of my eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. And to be completely honest with you, that is not a bad basket to put it all in. It isn't. It, there's a lot worse baskets that you can put all your eggs in than putting it in the Aaron Rodgers basket. I mean, when I when I think about how this game is going to go, I think it's going to be back and forth a lot. I don't think, I definitely don't think San Francisco is going to be able to run the ball the way they were against my, uh, against Minnesota. I think they're going to have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit more, which opens itself up for a, a lot of different things to happen, a lot of different possibilities. I think Jimmy G is an okay quarterback, above average quarterback, but can he can he will a team in the win? Can he outplay Aaron Rodgers? Can he? Can he outplay Aaron Rodgers? That's that's really what I think is going to come down to because I don't think the Niners are going to be able to run the ball the way they did last week. I don't I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball the way they did last week. Now I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. Last time these two teams faced off back in week 12, the Niners took them out behind the woodshed. They did. 37 to 8. It was at home, same setup. They were in San Francisco. 
37 to 8. I believe that game was on a Monday night for some reason. Monday or Sunday night. But that game was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But I don't think that's going to happen twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't think it's going to happen like that. I don't. I'm going Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers to go to the Super Bowl. I got them winning 31 to 27. It's going to be close. I'm never going to I'm never going to sit here and say it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be close. But I'm taking that man and Rodgers. And I got the Chiefs. A rematch, actually. And I know the NFL would love this. This is my conspiracy theory also. I've told a couple of people this. My conspiracy theory is that in the 100, all season long, 100 years of the NFL, 100 years of the NFL, 100 years of the National Football League, that's all they've been talking about. Would it not be in the NFL's best interest, the marketing that they could do, if they have a rematch of Super Bowl one in the 100th year anniversary, a rematch of the Packers and the Chiefs, Bart Starr, Aaron Rodgers, look at look at the Hank Stram, Andy Reid. Like, can, can you imagine? Can you really imagine all the stuff that they would put in that? Like, come on, it would be it would be amazing. It would be so great. And that's what I think is gonna happen. And not to mention the fact that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my. Uh, my Super Bowl pick as we get closer to the Super Bowl. But, man, I want Andy Reid to win a championship. I do. Anybody that's watched Andy Reid just, he's such a great coach. Andy Reid is a great coach. I don't want I don't want what happened to Marty Schottenheimer, what happened to Denny Green. I don't want that to happen to Andy Reid. I don't. Well, I, Andy Reid's been to what? Six championship games, one Super Bowl, only one Super Bowl. And that was the Super Bowl where Donovan McNabb was throwing up in the huddle and T.O. on a broken leg was going to win MVP if they won that game. So I need, I also want this for Andy Reid because I think Andy Reid is so – he's going to get looked on so bad in history if he can't get a Super Bowl. And I, I, I want that Super Bowl for Andy Reid. I do. So those are my picks. It's going to be a really, really fun Sunday. Well, that's all I got for you guys this week. It feels really good to be back on the podcasting circuit. Degree of difficulty with Aaron Johnson here. Uh, make sure that you guys like, subscribe, and share. Sharing is always caring. And follow me on Twitter. Follow Degree of Difficulty on Twitter, at Degree of D. Make sure you tweet at me during the game. I'm going to be live tweeting during championship weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, again, guys, I'm going to do this thing every Friday. feels good to be back. I got the home studio set up. It took me several months, but I got the home studio set up. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Got some guests on the way, hopefully coming down the road as well so degree of difficulty it's been a lot of fun it's gonna keep being a lot of fun thank you guys for listening